Greetings, Archons. Welcome to Sanctimonious, a Keyforge podcast where three zealous Keyforge players discuss various topics concerning combat within the Crucible. Stand at attention and salute your hosts, Sir Jake, Sir Alex, and Sir Dan. Welcome back to another episode of Sanctimonious. This is Jake, and I'm joined by my wonderful co-hosts, Alex and Dan. And this is a very exciting episode because we finally have Mass Mutations official release. So that's what it's all about. But before that, how's it going, y'all? It's going good. I feel so enhanced. Yeah, so enhanced, so mutated. Got my Dark Amber sitting here with me. Alex has that third arm. I mean, child. Uh, yeah, enhanced. I know what that means. Like in terms, like that seems like a good thing. But feeling mutated, that seems like a little bit more uh, nuanced of a feeling. It's complicated. I'll, I'll admit. Well, before we get into our uh, discussion of our first experiences of mass mutation, let's do a weekly inspiration that may itself, you know, be an opportunity to talk about mass mutation. Mass mutation, mass mutation. I feel like we're going to be saying that a lot. In the set. Mm. Set. Mm-mm. Well, if, if you guys don't oppose, I can go first with my inspiration. I object. No, I don't really care. Go for it. Okay, cool. This week, I was fortunate to live in St. Louis, where Miniature Market's retail store is located. So it was uh, easy to just stop by the store and pick up a box on release day. Um, so fortunately, there was no distribution problem here uh, because we had that massive online retailer base here, I suppose. And what I've been doing is every day I've been opening a single deck and then typing a 10-minute Rewrite uh, just my impressions of the deck, impressions of the set, implications of various cards, and posting that up on our Patreon account. And it's just been super fun to do that. It's honestly like something that has just given me so much life. Like I wake up in the morning, I'm like, ooh, I get to open a new deck today. And it's just been a lot of fun doing that. And I've opened some interesting stuff, um, maybe a little bit distribution problem i'm opening a ton of uh this and a ton of uh sanctum i think I, out of the seven decks that i've opened so far i have five of each of those but i'm not unhappy about that it's been really fun and it's been a super cool way just to open decks that i think i want to definitely try and replicate at future releases um i, I can go next uh i think for me um I'm really excited to, I actually am going to very carefully uh, uh, venture out to an in-person event this week, uh, which is, which is, I'm really pumped for that. I haven't gotten to play physical Keyforge in a really long time, uh, and I'm excited to try out some of my new Mass Mutation decks um, in Archon. Uh, I have... I, I opened a lot of logos, which I'm super happy with because logos seems. Uh, we'll talk about that more, but uh, logos seems very good. So I, I, I'm really like loving my logos, um, and uh, yeah, and uh, so I'm just I'm just 
amped to get to, to play some Keyforge in person, even if I have to be masked, uh, masked and gloved to do it. I, 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 the, the, I'm willing to, to go to that place. <laughs> That's great, man. Hope you have a great time. Hope everyone is super safe. Dan, what's up with you? My turn. I still don't own a single mass mutation deck. Hey, hey. Ho, ho. Um, but Alex was kind enough to lend me a few online decks. Fault Boy lent me a, online, or a deck to use on TTS. I mean, it was awful. It was awful, Fault Boy. Why did you do that to me? You just let, <laughs> you just let um, Alex just kick Anti- my face inspiration. in. inspiration <laughs> So, so hard. No, it was cool. They had the Logos gigantic creature that I landed twice to no avail. But I did land it on the board twice. And it did have some interesting plays. It just had no amber or creature control, which I don't know. I think I think that's an important part of Keyforge for some reason. But yeah, uh, Inspire. That even though I don't actually have any mass mutation decks, I've played a fair amount of it using these borrowed decks, and yeah, it's been really fun so far. And the enhancements are, I mean, really enhancing the game. Like it's it is everything we kind of hoped it would be. Where um. Yeah, we kind of called it when we first saw it that like it would make the decks even more unique and just make things way more interesting. So it has for me so far. Well, let's let's get into a discussion of that uh, enhanced how that's been for our decks and opening decks and and everything else mass mutation. Um, Dan, but before we do that, I think is your chair squeaking. Sorry, I'm in a I'm in a rocking chair at my parents' house. I will get out of it <laughs> after all the money we spent. But you're not you're not at home. So let's get into this this mass mutation initial reaction. Uh, where do we want to start? Should we should we talk about enhancements first and kind of what that's meant? Enhance. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds good. We can start at enhancements. I mean, just if, and I know that not everybody is aware of probably has, they've, our Canadian friends probably haven't, still haven't gotten their mass mutations, uh, right? And uh, I think there's at least some holdouts still. So we could just go over, do you just mean like go over the mechanic and? Well, I just meant like, yeah, just like what's been your experience with oh. it? I think we've, we've talked kind of, about what enhancement is. I yeah, mean, really yeah. quick though, really quick, just for those that aren't familiar, there is four enhancement icons that can show up depending on different cards that grant them to your deck. And the four icons are an amber pip, capture amber pip, uh, draw, and damage pip. So, yeah, it's added a little spice to some cards. Yeah. Um, and I guess my first thought was. Like we we talked about how cool it is and making these decks more unique, but I definitely didn't think when they were you know announcing this new mechanic how much it would mean for the actual experience of opening a deck. Like it's always fun to flip over your Archon card and of course see what cards you got, but now like it adds this whole layer of oh I've got a, like four blue cards meaning they're in hand, and now I have to actually open my deck and see what they are and there can be a huge <laughs> much to the chagrin of, of outcomes <laughs> right yeah a lot of people don't like that i love it i mean but i always open my decks anyway because that's just the kind of person i am i want to feel this filthy animal uh, savage <laughs> but uh 
But yeah, but it, it's it's crazy how big the outcome difference is, right? Because you could have a you know some you, you could have a gateway of disk that has capture like a capture icon, and if one of your capture goes on gateway of disk, in most circumstances, uh, that's just not going to do anything for you at all, right? So it's just completely wasted. Whereas on the other end of the spectrum, if you've got uh, QMEX, that's the guy, right, that play, draw a card, and when it's destroyed, it goes into your archive. So you've got that guy with a couple of different effects, maybe two amber, you know, all of a sudden you have an incredibly powerful card. So it's really exciting to see not only what cards the enhancements go on, but specifically which tip went where. Yes. Yes. So for those, oh, again, really quick, for those that don't know, unfortunately right now, like in the Master Vault, like you still can't see what enhancements are on the card. So you literally you can't do see have... can see the card is enhanced. You can see the card uh, is enhanced, but you can't poke. see what enhancement is actually on each card. So it's kind of unfortunate because, yeah, you literally have to rip open the packaging. And now DOK has a new feature where you can take pictures with your decks. So <laughs> people selling mass mutation decks can take a picture of all the enhanced cards so you know where the enhancements fall. Yeah, it's adding an extra layer. Mostly it's complicated my storage uh, because my storage was predicated on not not things not being unwrapped. Uh, and so now I have to figure out a world where basically I have to unwrap almost every deck. Uh <laughs> So that's just I and I'm like I don't want to spend nine thousand dollars with for like little deck boxes or whatever. <laughs> you know, Even at a dollar a box or something, it, yeah. it gets expensive. Uh, so, anyways, I mean, whoa these is side, the side opening keyforge boxes? I've got some here. You could just put it back in there, close it up. It's pretty nice. Yeah, but then you can't see. Then I have to open every box to know what's in it. So, or or I have to lay. I might just start labeling the outside. Yeah, I'll just like have to. Little... I'll just have to get a label maker. So yeah, there you go. This is now a. This is now Instead a storage dollar. container <laughs> podcast. Organizing. We talk about how organizing. to store things. Okay, so Alex, give it to me straight though. You haven't opened most of your decks. The vast majority of your decks before. Now you're opening it. Is there any? Are you finding any joy in seeing these things, or is it mainly just a huge negative to you? Uh, it's mostly a negative to me. I don't really like because there's just the reality of there's just even if that's not good, there's just decks that don't interest me, and like now even if I like if I'm like always I'm just gonna sell this. I have no intention of playing it. Uh. I have to open and find a way to store it, which is a ne- which is a negative in my book. However, I will say that I will say this: that's that is a fairly small negative for what I think is a really positive mechanic. Um, I really, really like enhancement. I think it adds a lot of excitement to uh, deck opening. Uh, that. Uh, definitely, like, what I'll say is I've been, even though I've had to open decks, I've been way more I- excited to open the decks that I've had to because I feel like Mass Mutation is just a more, it's just a more interesting and diverse set. All the houses seem fairly viable, even in the worst, like, even we, there's a lot of argument about what's the worst house, and I think that goes to show, I think it's a lot, I think it's fairly close. 
Um, even even the houses, even the best house, I don't think is like levels and levels. Well, I, I don't want to say that. I think that Logos is like, it's like everything else and then Logos. <laughs> it's like everything else is kind of in the same, like somewhere between B and B and C tier and uh, Logos is S tier. <laughs> yeah, I definitely want to talk about where are we where we kind of fall on our house rankings right now. I think that'll be something that's interesting to talk about and then revisit once we see more decks open, more tournaments. Too soon. Too soon. <laughs> that's the fun of initial reactions though. We get everybody gets to yell at us <laughs> how wrong we are. Yeah, we get to we get to make really hot takes and then people can say we're wrong. We're like, look guys, it's just our initial reaction. Like, come on. I need like another month before you can rank houses. I haven't seen New Star Alliance on the table, I don't think. Maybe I have. I don't know. Well, I'll, I'll say like a just a final note on enhancements is like I have definitely agree. I think this is one of the best, if not the best, innovation in the game that really feels like this is something new and cool and different. And I hope that it's something that is going to continue forward in all sets because I just think it really does add that much and you know I don't mind not having you know enrage this time around or or whatever you know it, I think it's okay if some mechanics fall by the wayside here and there but there's enrage in this set okay maybe not we have we have lost mechanics right there was like Alpha and Omega wasn't in Worlds Collide after being in AOA uh, it was in Worlds Collide so salt. Yeah, there was that. So was salt. Alpha. There was at least one alpha card. There was, was there, there was at least uh, there was the, the untamed action, which is Omega. I don't know if we've lost. Like they just become l- way less prevalent. Yeah. I don't know if we've actually lost. Like even deploy is still there. Deploy still exists. Uh, I can't think of any mechanics which we've just straight lost. Uh, but they have become way less important. Which so just straight lost it. Library access. <laughs> Library <laughs> lost access. it. All right. I guess I was a little bit off base with that, but that, I guess that is my general meaning. Is I hope this sticks around in full force because I no. think it's so cool. Yeah, it is. It's well, it's awesome. super cool. It's super cool to see both ends of the spectrum too. It's super cool to see like, oh my goodness, this QMEC has two draw icons on it. This is insane. You're drawing three cards every time you play it. To the other end. Oh my goodness, this gateway to disc has two capture icons on it. Rip. (laughs) (laughs) I actually, the only damage icon I like on gateway to disc is damage because everything else is just, even card draw is a bummer because most of the time, like there's a lot of times where I don't play gateway to disc. So then I'm like, I just don't get this icon ever because it's on gateway. Right. That's, that's a super interesting point too. Uh, like, it doesn't matter what type of card it's on. Because, like, a, a creature, you're almost always playing if it's in your hand. Uh, whereas some actions, maybe not. Yeah, you might you might not want to play it. Right, but then actions that are going into your discard pile, so you might redraw them more. Uh, artifacts are, you know, you're probably playing them, but then they might sit there. So it's, there's a lot that kind of goes into making an enhancement a good versus bad versus mediocre so that's cool before we get too far um i want to i think a good thing i want to hear just real quick a real quick hot take rank it rank your enhance rank enhancements like which one's the best which one's the worst draw icon damage icon 
Amber Amber Capture. Wow, that's a hot take. I think that is a I, hot I, take. <laughs> I would go draw Amber Capture Damage. Yeah, me me and me and Jake are on the same page. Draw Amber Capture Damage. And let, there is a push. Now, what I'll say with capture, there is a pushover point. I think where if you have enough capture. It actually might become better than Amber, but it would have to be a lot. <laughs> yeah, in certain decks, but generally Amber is always sweet. And of course, it, it also matters a little bit, like, which are the cards that are giving these Amber pips, because those are also, some are better than others, too. What I, what I have, what I, the recent take that I have thought of, too, with enhancements is it's actually with Amber pips... Uh, you actually want them to be spread out. You do not want them to be, because Infernus exists. <laughs> so you mean you don't want the fertility chant with six pips? I mean, that's probably okay. I, I don't know. Honestly, that's re- that's a really tough, that's a really, like, I saw somebody who has, you know, they have the wild bounty, which doubles it. And so it's like, it's both amazing, and it's going to really hurt when that gets Infernus. <laughs> <laughs> it's so crazy. I, I I kind of like love and hate that Infernus is in this set because I do feel like there's just going to be like a two times Infernus decks all over the place or three times Infernus decks that are almost going to like invalidate a lot of. I actually kind of wonder if this is the reason Infernus exists because otherwise some of these untamed Amber Rush decks would just be. Yeah, you just too you crazy. just stack fifteen, oh, you know, and ten fertility chance. <laughs> I lost the game to Fandangle. It was brutal. Fandangle is just rough. That is the untamed creature, three power. If you have four or more amber, your non-untamed creatures come yeah. in uh, ready. So it's kind of it's a like weird a Dusk Witch. Better, he's a better and worse version of Dusk Witch. <laughs> yeah. It's a yeah. Super, super cool card. Just don't ask me if it comes in ready as a Maverick. Have you guys seen that? There's like a a post oh, on Facebook by from our our good friend Neil uh, that's just like absolutely blowing up about whether or not <laughs> a Maverick Fandangle itself will interplay ready if you have four more Amber. <laughs> I mean, technically, you would think so because it's not an untamed creature. I would, so. I, yeah, there's some disagreement. We'll just leave it at that. You can you can find that on Facebook. Uh, yeah. Go to the interweb. Okay, so I do want us to. Let, you know, all right, Dan, you don't have to if you're not feeling ready, but I think we should give our initial tier ranking um, of, the, of the houses in this set. And I think, Alex, you kind of gave us yours, but I think I think it's interesting, like, just to think, having played limited amounts, I've probably played about 10 games so far, I've opened seven decks, uh, and I, I mean, I'm starting to get some impressions on which houses I'm excited to open, which ones seem better, which ones seem worse, that you know, if nothing else, it's my initial impression. Uh, let's see. Okay, I'm, I was writing mine out real quick. Uh, here's my official. Here, I'll go official. More not just uh, lump everything, but tier S logos. Uh, I would say tier A disc shadows. Uh, tier B uh, would be basically I think everything else. Untamed, Saurian, uh, Star Alliance. Is that all the houses? One, two, three, four, uh, five, six. You forgot the most important house. Uh, oh, Sanctum. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Tier C, Sanctum. Sorry. Sorry, Sanctum. Okay. Sanctum is... 
and Alex was kicked off the podcast. What I'll say is Sanctum can be really, really good in this set. It's not like World's Collide Brobnar, uh, but uh, it is definitely the house that does the least most often, I think. I definitely don't agree with that uh, in my so far and what I've experienced from the set. And maybe that's because like you have an insane you have an insanely like you have an insane high end of Sanctum for sure. <laughs> like that's like uh, about as good as it gets for Sanctum. Okay, but I wanted to ask you, because you have to make a distinction, I think, in these tier lists that uh Dr. Sheep pointed out in our Discord, which is like you kind of have to rank them. Like, is this your sealed ranking? So, oh no, this like is not my sealed hour. ranking. This, this is like is your my, dream. Like this, this is like my dream. Yeah, this is like Archon. Like, what do, what do I think is going to produce like the most bonkers decks most frequently? And I mean, like, if you if I would be really surprised if whenever we have a vault tour, if we get a mass mutation vault tour that's Archon, um, I would be surprised if. Uh, a mass mutations like logos dis shadows or logos dis untamed didn't make it at least very high into the tournament, um, if not outright win it. Um, and sealed is sealed is a whole different thing. Uh, yeah, that's like completely. I think that sanctum, especially sanctum, becomes a sanctum and Sarian actually are a lot stronger in sealed because they have giant bodies that are hard to deal with and your opponent might not be able to choose a deck for uh clear um yeah whereas in archon you will expect there to always be a, i mean basically every single deck that you play against in a high level archon deck will probably have some form of good removal or will just be so efficient that they just don't care about what you're doing yeah they don't care about your your big dudes like what are you gonna do fight me yeah <laughs> go ahead uh, um yeah okay Cool. So I think for me, I put uh, Logos and Dis together at A, and I I don't think either of those houses are like S tier, which I would say say is like Worlds Collide Logos, uh, maybe Worlds Collide Star Alliance, uh, Worlds Collide Sarian. I think maybe those houses, all three, are better than these, but I think those are very good houses, competitive with anything in Coda for sure. So solid A houses. I think B is going to be... I think Sanctum is really solid here. And I've just been really impressed with cards that they have at Common. I think it's, it's, it's a, a, you know just a solid house. I think Sarian is going to be pretty solid as well. And I think Shadows too. So I've got all those clumped together at B. Good at different things. And then my C tier, these are just kind of like average houses. I don't think these are bad. Certainly not like a F tier house like Brobnar, uh, World's Glide is the best example of that, the worst house ever. Um, so I think these are kind of just like your average keyboard house across that. Uh, and I, and I have Star Alliance and Untamed there, but for very different reasons. I think Untamed, like you're saying, I agree, has like among the highest upside of any of the houses, but I think that's going to be the house that is going to be most commonly bad, like actively bad, like just letting down otherwise good decks. Um, and I think that Star Alliance is kind of the opposite. Like I think the Star Alliance stuff is going to be like general, generally a lot closer, like much less variable outcomes for Star Alliance. But I just think that 
the power level there is also just kind of towards the a little bit lower end of the keyboard spectrum. So that that's that's my take. I'm sticking with it for now. Um, and that's I I mean I th- I think that's all. I think that's kind of your again. That's it's it's hard to say that's like the dream because uh, you know I do acknowledge uh, that Untamed has those crazy high upside houses that are going to be few and far between. So I guess this is more like I'm just talking like kind of like your sealed is like your average power level of these houses. I mean for sealed I could cert- well so here's the one thing that may throw you off Jake is uh, and I'll just see what you think about this the fact that Savage Clash exists is probably the biggest reason I could say that Untamed is both uh, competitive at an Archon level and competitive and sealed. Savage, you will pick a deck. People, you will pick a sealed deck for Savage Clash. Um, it's that like that is one of the most efficient removals that exists in Mass Mutation. For those of you playing at home, Savage Clash Clash is a untamed action where you destroy all but your opponent's strongest creature and your weakest creature. All other creatures hit the yard. I believe it comes. Does it come with an Amber Pip? I can't remember. Uh, it does not have an amber. It does not. Okay, no, so I not. must have saw an enhanced one at one point. <laughs> yeah, that's a like, that's gonna be a trickier question to answer these days. I think that's a good point, Alex. I just think my interpretation though is like untamed. I kind of think it's a little bit analogous to like Toda Mars, if you can think all the way back there. Oh, not even like close. I don't think so. No, no, no. So it doesn't work in her house. Like Mars. It, it kind of does work in our house because it's got like a lot of like mutant synergies. There's like random beast synergies. There's like the first stuff, um, you know, the whatever, like where you want to reap. What's oh, the yeah. Part? If you get the beast synergy stuff, you're probably sad most of the time. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's, so it's like all these things that are kind of like, it seemed to me more inclusive, intrinsic to untamed, whereas. I don't, I don't think it, 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 and there are going to be like these crazy times where it, it's, that's not the case at all, right? Where you get the good enhanced cards that putting the pips where you want them on. I mean, it has a couple stuff. of really terrible cards, like, too. Like, I think Dark Queen Gloriana is, like, honestly an awful card. Like, she's real. Like, even, it's so weird because you get, like, you're getting, like, Dust Pixie, basically, but it's like, Man, it's so, like, having to return a non-untamed friendly creature when you play her, like, sometimes that's, like, you're, sometimes that's super synergistic, right? But a lot of times, every time I play her, I'm like, uh, this card, like, why do you exist? Yeah, I think, um, Trimble is another just really Uh, bad card a lot of the time. I mean, sometimes it'll be great, but... But most of the time, it's like, you know, your opponent, because it's a... Why is it a mutual effect? I don't. That's like I don't know. Why didn't that seems very unnecessary to make that a two sided effect? Because it just yeah, it just relegates that card to being like well. There's a lot of times where I I I have a deck that has triple in it, and a lot of times I'm like, well, you have a bunch of you have like three mutants out, so I guess I can't play this card. <laughs> Vault blessing is like where each another reciprocal effect that might be good, might not be good. That mutant synergy, song of the wild is just really bad a lot of the time. Uh, Wild Bounty is the one that doubles in bonus icons, which is, again, like, 
super deck dependent. You've got Niffle Apes back, which are just really bad. And there's like potential upside again if you get the right enhancements on the right card with the right set. But I just think there's just a lot of bad cards and, and cards reliant upon other pieces. Yeah. Um, that, which is why it reminds me of Code of Mars. Like I'll never be like unexcited to see Untamed on a, on a deck I open because like, the upside is for sure yeah, the, there. the high end to be, and I loved, and so, and that's, uh, I guess that's where I kind of am too. Like, I see the, when I'm rating, I'm thinking mostly about like, what's the, what is the high end of this look like? Um, and that's where it's like, for me, Sanctum has the, like, what is the best Sanctum that you could possibly get look like? It's like font of the eyes, uh, which is like the action, which, when a cre- it's an omni action, which when you uh creature dies, you can capture one. It's orb of wonder. It's like a bunch of artifacts. Like it's like a bunch of kind of slow stuff, uh, which you have to still have. You probably still have to have some other synergy. What I'll say is, uh, sorry and in sanctum actually still are buddy. Like sorry and sanctum are are really buddy buddy in this set. They have a lot of cr- a lot of uh really good synergy. Um, but I think that you need, like, Sanctum doesn't have a payoff for all it's capturing. Like, it captures a bunch. So you need some, you need Sarian with it to give it the, like, the, I think, because I, I think that if there will be a high-end Sanctum deck, it will probably have Sarian, I would guess. I'll just, I want to let Dan talk so we're just spinning yeah, yeah. for us. But I, <laughs> really quick, really quick answer to that, like, just because I do disagree. Like, I think Sanctum has legitimate burst like cleansing wave is truly insane in this set if you get some amber or damage pips on on your cards as enhancement so that card's just like it was always good and now it's just like way better um a, a card like baldrick the bold that's like before fight gain two amber uh that you know like there, there's legit ways that you can like generate amber out of sanctum and then i think that the capture is is also dynamic like commandeer is a card that whenever you it's basically library access for capturing so it's not as good as library access by a far cry um but like you know if you have sanctum paired with logos or or something uh, where you're able to draw through like that is a really dynamic card as well where you'll be capturing three or four amber and it's just really good stall uh if you're generating amber in other ways so i and those are cards that are common so there's good stuff at common rarity. I've been impressed with a lot of the cards, and I actually totally disagree. Like, if I I want only one of Sanctum or Sarian, because I think that when you get them both, you just lose so much speed because neither of those decks, neither of those houses, are able to draw cards um, and get through your deck efficiently. But I think like Sanctum and or Sarian paired with uh, Logos or Emdis or uh, Logos and maybe a really nice Starline set uh, is super solid and, and in my opinion, going to be quite viable competitively. All right, Dan, what do you think? <laughs> it's for me right now. It's just too early. Like I just I do not have enough games under my belt. I'm probably like right around ten games, and it's been with a fairly limited pool of decks. And I just I like I didn't keep up with the spoilers very much, so I'm kind of coming into this set with you know like having to read every card that's played. And everything just to kind of understand what's happening across the board for me and then still not fully understanding what's happening across the board for me. 
at this point. So, I mean, I just don't, I don't really have any strong feelings. I mean, Logos is really strong. Like, I can already kind of tell that a couple of the decks I've run have had Logos and just what you're able to pull off with that. And the fact that uh, I believe he's Infomorph, something like that, that yeah. uh, gives you plus two draw icons in the rest of your deck. Like, the guy himself is just a four power vanilla, but he adds those two draw enhancements through your deck, which is super, super nice. And yeah, drawing cards is fun. You want to know what the top five win rate cards are of Sanctum? Uh, this is actually pretty funny. Uh, for Mass Mutations currently. With rares taken out. Is this coming from? Where, what is this coming from? It's from Chainbound. There's been some sealed releases and yeah. stuff, yeah. But hey, don't don't give rares. Like if there's rares, they get they get popped out. Uh, they are three of the. So yeah, we can skip the. There are, there are two rares, but we can skip those. Yeah. So it rares is, just don't don't show up enough to have an accurate representation. Lieutenant Orbinal is number one with a fifty three point two win percent. I'm Gizelhart Zealot fifty two point six percent. Uh, honorable claim shoulder armor charge are all rares. Uh, no, I'm sorry, shoulder armor is an uncommon. So shoulder armor, shoulder armor is amazing. I'm not surprised that that made that. Uh, fifty one point nine, champion Amphiel. Uh, fifty one point six, and Squire Alice. Squire Alice is good. Fifty one point five. Well, the the issue with like champion Anifel is that's pulling from the Coda days too and the AOA days, like that. Uh, it's, it, it's no, it's mass. It has its mass mutation only win percentage they okay. actually break that out and oh, it, nice. the, the math the it's higher the mass mutations only win rate is actually higher it's 52.3 so it went up 1.7 percent since uh since mass mutation released sweet and then gizelhart's the one that comes in ready and enraged right yes and then lieutenant gorbanal is after you fight with a with a creature lieutenant gorbanal captures one amber yeah, you had a deck, right? That was you that had the deck with that guy and Gizzleheart, which is a pretty nice yes. combo. Yeah, it's like two nice little combo. I, I'm I'm surprised about Gizzleheart. I'm not surprised about Gorvinol. I wouldn't have expected, but I mean, it's just a it's especially Gizzleheart is essentially a kill spell, right? It's a four like do four damage to something. Yep. Yeah, which is that's a pretty good. That's like a pretty nice number, maybe particularly in. Mass mutation. I think there's quite a few twos and threes that are really nice to get out of the way so you can kill and keep a creature. That's that's nice. It's been really interesting to me to like read some cards and then like play with them and like how differently the about my evaluation was versus how they played out. Like for example, I think my the two cards that like I thought were just going to be trash when I was reading them and then I've been really impressed with in play are both disc creatures so uh drecker is one of them which is four four power creature that has the ability that damage dealt to drecker's neighbors during fights is also dealt to drecker and then it has reap steel one and when i'm like reading that it's like okay how is this thing ever stick around uh you've got you're just giving your opponent a free two for one by playing this this is just something i don't want to see in my deck but then and actually playing it Maybe it's because of like how many other like good targets there are that you can put on the other side of the battle line, or just sticking this guy next to on the outside next to a single elusive creature is all of a sudden it really costs a lot to remove it. So it's been very annoying to fight again, and and pretty good when I had it out myself. So I've just been, you know, it's just kind of funny how sometimes like something that seems terrible 
is actually really good. And then the other one I want to highlight is, and this card I've really been blown away with. I think this is a super good card uh, that I didn't expect is Brabble, which is a two power disimp that's destroyed. Your opponent loses one amber. If it's not your turn, your opponent loses three amber. So just having this guy sitting out there and just like, you know, basically just let it sit there and you just reap with it and, you know, wait until your opponent eventually needs to use a board clear because boards are so important in mass mutation. And that guy is so annoying to play against. Like that was how I really realized like this is a good card because every time my opponent play, has played one against me so far. I've just been like, oh, this is terrible. <laughs> like, what do I even do about this? Have, have you all felt that way about any cards? Like, either exceeding or underwhelming your expectations thus far? I just need more time. Like I said, I didn't know what half the cards were, so <laughs> I didn't really have any preconceived notions coming in. I mean, maybe even in like what in the games that you played, what were st- what were cards that stood out to you? Uh, the logos, the logos action card, neural. It's the one that archives itself in another card. That card is oh, bonkers. A, a causal loop. Causal loop. There we go. Not neural. I'm thinking neurosiphon. Causal loop. If you get an enhancement on that card, that is just amazing. Like it doesn't even matter. Like, but if it's like a draw, it doesn't really matter. Like you just beat. <laughs> you get to cast that card maybe three to five times a game depending on how many times you're calling Logos, and it's pretty possible in this set to call Logos quite a bit, I feel like. Like, you've got a pretty good chance to do that. And, uh, yeah, just always archiving itself plus one other card is pretty sweet. Some nice thinning every time you call Logos. I've been really impressed with that card. I mean, Red Penny, we all expected Red Penny to be awesome. It is confirmed. (laughs) Yeah, Red Penny's really good. One of Alex's decks, he... uh, He's letting me borrow as a triple red penny. I'm 0-2 with the deck. Like, I haven't won with it yet, but it's so much fun to play. And it actually has Screaming Cave. And because of the red penny, Screaming Cave is, like, awful. Because <laughs> you don't you don't want to reshuffle your deck. Shuffle, yeah. yeah. You want to keep the red energy. pennies in the bottom. Yeah. Because, like, I've had it where I've, I, mean, I cast those red pennies multiple times on the first play, like, the first time through the deck. Because, yeah, they're super easy to kill off. And then just have them shuffle back in. Like I was using my own damage pips to pop them back in my deck just to draw them that much faster. And one of the rad pennies even has a draw enhancement on it. So that, I mean, obviously that was a good card and it is proving to be so. Um, I don't know. Like I feel like all the power cards that everybody kind of identifies the archivist is really cool, especially if you hit it with, uh, shoot, what's the logos artifact that archives when you discard? Auto encoder. Oh, yeah. Auto encoder is amazing. This is bonkers. Oh my goodness! Because I mean, the the ramifications of auto encoder is it's not only on your logos turn. So if you do have a weaker house in your deck, you can literally call that house and just discard all the cards. Like, just pitch them all to archive additional cards from your deck to just create yeah. a monster turn later. Like, there's times, I mean, I definitely have that. Like, I've got a Worlds Collide deck where I try to archive all of my Shadow's House. And if I didn't have to actually archive the Shadow's House, if I could just discard it and archive my better houses to have a huge, like, Star Alliance turn or Logos turn, like, I think that would be even nuttier than just, you know, only drawing Star Alliance and Logos cards. I was listening to another podcast. <gasps> I think it was Cheater. Archon's Corner. And they were talking about, 
some cards, and and they and I apologize because I can't remember who said it, but somebody said that Auto Encoder was a card that like underwhelmed for them. And they're like, really, you're only like, I, I hope I'm not misquoting it, but what I understood was they said something like, yeah, you, you know, you're only archiving like two or three cards a game with it. And that has not been my experience. With I was gonna say, there's, like, there's, every there's... time I played it, I've been archiving like crazy, and it has been right. very powerful for me. I mean, you like. Yeah. I mean, you think about it like in an average game of Keyforge, you probably just discard a card two to three times. But if you actually get a benefit for discarding a card, sometimes that's worth more than actually playing said card in your hand. Like if you're trying to dig for something and like you really need it, and like by the next turn, uh, and you can like discard three cards out of your hand to archive three, so you're getting six cards deep in your deck instead of just three cards deep. Like that's huge. That's so yeah. big. Yeah. I will say with auto encoder, my my experience with it thus far has been it's better and worse decks. <laughs> it's like sure. in yeah. the, I, the, here's the here's the here's the take. I think that auto encoder is not a good card in a good deck because in a good deck all the cards are good. There's like very few cards that, or maybe you'll get like very very minor use out of it. Like maybe you have like effervescent principle. Um, as an amber control card and you draw it early and auto encoder allows you to like do that without like really a detriment um but most of the time in my good in my good decks with auto encoder is what i'm finding is i don't really want to discard these cards i want to play them um and i have to make a weird kind of choice of like is this worth it to play this or should i just discard is it better to discard it um it it might be really good in like a combo deck where you're trying to draw for specific pieces. Get it with a Nobu Dynamo, and then you got a Sku going. Hey, there are a lot of discard effects in this in this set though too, and in older sets. Yes, and that it is it is good discard insurance. It's like you get the yeah, somebody hits you with you know I don't know a uh, mind barb. There you go, mind barb. My mind was very barb there. <laughs> like oh darn i pitched this card but i got to archive one so even though i'm down the card out of my hand i technically still have that card in my extra hand over there that's a great point and dude or just you know just get it with a punctuated equilibrium i think i think that's a really awesome point alex and i think you're probably right but i do think that this is going to be a card that's going to be broken in decks that it's broken in and i think yeah, that for sure be not just bad decks but like competitive auto encoder style decks like if you know if you hit a punctuated equilibrium like that is truly oh. insane <laughs> that's insane uh, so like you know there there are like opportunities for that i mean, i was playing you with my double novu dynamo deck with it which is just, that's like a really nice yeah it was doing a lot of it was doing a lot of work with novu dynamo <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, I, I think I think it, there will be plenty of cards that's good. It's kind of like uh, library access, where it's like that card is good, but it's not great unless you have the phase shift and the wild wormhole to go with it, or the time traveler. And I think we might see something kind of similar with auto encoder as we kind of figure out more like what those pieces we need to be looking for in our auto encoder decks are. I uh, for me, I think so. My the my favorite card right now is Dark Amber Vault. I'm literally just like <laughs> buying up every Dark Amber Vault deck I can find uh, because I love, I, I don't even know if it's like the most competitive thing in the world, but I'm very, uh, I think it is. I think that Dark Amber Vault is a very broken card. For those of you who don't know, Dark Amber Vault can be in any house. Um, it gives all of your mutants a plus two strength. And every time you play a mutant, you draw a card. Um, 
I was playing uh, UJ with a with that a deck. Uh, yes, was that yesterday or the day before? Yeah, that was last night. Last night, and I mean, it was Dark Amber Vault was doing absolute insanity in our games. Um, and it, and what I'll say is, it's it you it's so little work to make to make that card good is what one of the reasons I think it's insane. You just literally you just have to have mutants in your deck and you get a benefit for just doing the thing you would have done anyways, which is play a creature. It also makes certain creatures like there's a bunch of untamed mutants who are very underwhelming uh just by themselves. But suddenly you're like, oh, I get to draw a card and they're three strength, which is kind of nice. Like uh what is the the little fairy person? I can't remember their name. Uh what's that person's name? Anyways, though there's the one strength fairy that gives you two enhance icons. And I can't I'm blanking on her name at the moment, but uh Gloriana. Is it Gloriana? I don't know. Sounds right. There's so many there's so many mutants that you wouldn't think are mutants too, like Skippy Time Hog. Yeah, Skippy Time Hog. <laughs> It's like, it's come on, man, that's a mutant, too. Yeah. Plus, it's if no... you're an idiot like me, you have to, like, that, like, you just, like, you'll just keep forgetting about the plus two power bonus over and over and over. So, like, why <laughs> does it have that? Like, why is that believe... part of this, too? I was super surprised Dark Amber Vault was only one-sided. Like, that it only gives friendly. Yeah. Because yeah. Just... I was, yeah, the first time I played against Alex using his deck against it, I was like, oh, I guess my red pennies are three power now. He's like, uh, it's only friendly. I was like, what? <laughs> that doesn't seem balanced at all. Right? It, it, I don't know if it was just that deck or what, but like, it really felt like you just had a library access enabled all the time. Like, <laughs> I, we were, so we're playing on like TCO, and it's like, and Alex is like a very fast player already. That's like, what, and, I, and I'm not, I'm kind of a slower player, but like playing against him, is like it, it felt like he was like I was like watching like a computer hacker screen in like the nineties <laughs> when I was like looking at like the chat because like with the enhancements too like the, all those things are like line of text so he put like three cards that like literally generate like eighteen lines of text on my chat <laughs> like what just happened because like you know he's like drawing a card for the drop it he's drawing cards from the amber ball he's like getting an amber he's capturing it's like you know, drawing another card, playing it's just—it was absolutely insane. And some yeah. of those turns were like literally, like actually broken. Up. Like, yeah, yeah I is, mean, yeah, and that's the whole thing. It's like we 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 said that we joked about it in in our game, but it's like like literally they they completely nerfed a card because of this type of effect, and then Dark Amber Vault literally just gives you it. For no no work, like you don't even have to set up like another card or something. Like at least lands, it was like I have to set up Nepenthe Seed. I have to draw a Library Access. I still can whiff. And like with this, it's like it's so like I'm not even if I don't draw like don't go crazy combo off of it. Just being able to draw a card off all my mutants means that I'm in like I I've, I've gotten the efficiency of Logos while doing zero work to do I mean, that. Just think about it, which it's not to mention, like, you can also just have Logos and Infomancers, which yes. are mutants themselves. But which also draw cards. I think in that deck, were there 11 mutants or 12? Yeah, mutants? there were, like, 11 or 12 mutants in the deck. So, like, yeah, so if you just are, you know, and, and it's a game, Keyforge is a game where you can mulligan aggressively for cards, so if you have Amber Vault turn one, that's just 
12 of your cards just got an extra draw one amber pit. Like, that's so insane just on the face of it. Dark Amber Vault, OPOP. What, what I think I've really liked Lethologica, which is the Logos action, uh, which you, it's, it's sound the horns, but Logos. Uh, and it can pick up any Logos card rather than it be... Uh, so you discard cards off the top of your deck until you draw a Logos card. Um, I think I heard Tabletop Royale call it uh, Sound the Nerds, which I really like. Um, <laughs> and uh, But that card has been very... I, I, I found that that card is actually really, really good. It, it's like Sound the Horns and like that the timing can be kind of tricky sometimes. Like you have, to, you have to know when to play it, and there's times where you just don't where where it's like correct to not play it but um i think it's a it's a it does what you want to like drawing it early is what you really want because a lot of times with logos like what's your worst problem with logos is that all your logos is buried and this is like hey i can i can like draw to my logos and keep doing the the i can at the beginning of the game i can do my efficiency stuff where i need to establish some sort of draw engine and Lithologica helps you do that, and that's why I really, I really, it's really performed super well for me so far. I don't know if I was surprised, but <laughs> well, I don't want us to just ramble on forever. I know we could keep talking about mathematation, but uh, oh, yeah. I, I guess I'll, I want to give us an opportunity to maybe say, like, if there's any takeaway about mathematician gameplay so far that you wanted to give, open the floor to that. That kind of a final takeaway. It could be about a card, but it could also just be about you know how the set is playing overall. So overall, what I'll say for, overall for me for mass mutation, um, I think we've we've hit a good blend of the metas of worlds collide and coda, where coda was like you can basically ignore the board one hundred percent of the time. You don't have to care about what the creatures are doing. You don't have to care about, like you just generate amber. And as much of it out of hand as possible, likely, and you just go. And then Worlds Collide was, a, I think, a better where it's like, it's all about board. Um, playing stuff, there's very little, there's less that you do out of hand, and you want to do as much as possible uh, on the board. And there are certain board states that if you just don't deal with them, three, you they have three Saurian creatures out, and they will just win the game. Um, and I think that neither of those things were... Uh, it's neither good or bad. That's just kind of what it was. Um, but I think I really like the the way that Mass Mutation has kind of said, okay, we're going to take the best of both of those things where, like, sometimes you're going to race and sometimes you're going to care about board. But n both of those, both there's room for both of those things in strategy, which means that players have a lot of choice in what they bring to the table they have a lot of choice in what they get to play if you are a certain type of player you can find an identity and a strategy right like you can find what you like probably represented somewhere in mass mutation um in even if that's i like these particular houses because they tend to be this certain slant i think and i think that that's a really healthy place for the game to be um i it's made me really hopeful even for the future of the of the game of like i think i've had several people who are not like super they're kind of like a other, they play other games primarily um from my local community kind of message me and be like man this set is just uh like a knock they like you know it hit it out of the park like it's so good and i think that that's really cool to see people from outside of like 
you know, competitive Keyforge or even like, like really uh, enthusiastic Keyforge players being like, I really, really like this set. Um, I think that that's a great sign. And so overall, I would say I'm just super happy. I'm super happy with the set. I think it's diverse and has brought a lot to the table. Well said. All right. See you later. Good, good talk. <laughs> to follow up on what you're saying, Alex, uh, the, there's been kind of a question for me. You see it pop up on Reddit pretty frequently where people are like, I'm new to Keyforge. What set should I get first? It's kind of like, okay, well, you can get Coda because it's the simplest, um, but your decks aren't likely to be super balanced against each other. Like maybe you should go for Age of Ascension because those decks are probably going to play the best against each other out of the box or, or maybe you just get Worlds Collide because those decks are likely to be the most competitive and but it's also like the most complex. And I feel like from here on out until a new set comes out, anytime somebody asks that question, it's like go straight for mass mutation. I feel like we're really seeing design growth here in, in exciting ways. And not just because of like the cool enhanced mechanic, which I do think is like you can really can't oversell like how innovative and cool this is for Keyforge, but also just in terms of board and card games like no other game is doing something like this uh you know using procedural generation here in like an actually interesting and exciting way which is sort of fulfilling the promise that we had early on uh in the game and and, you know as as we talked about last episode i'm getting closer and closer to this feels like really uh nailing that mark and I also think there's been design growth in, in how fulfilling external synergies between houses have been. And that's been a big takeaway for me in games. Of course, there's always been cool synergies, you know, between specific cards uh, from one house or another house. And, and that's always existed in Keyforge. And I don't know if this is just, you know, the honeymoon period or whatever, but I really feel like the external synergies that I'm finding between houses, um, feel like they're hitting in like a much more robust and satisfying way. Like it's not just specific cards. It's, you know, actual like strategies, like, you know, like, like, like uh, Alex was pointing out, you know, Sanctum captures Amber and then uh, Sarian's able to like manipulate that Amber and do cool things with it. And I think there's really cool synergies like popping off all over the place that make cards that when you're just reading through it, a list of cards and spoilers like these cards seem maybe a little underwhelming like as they come together they are really making each other better and more powerful and that's super fun to see super fun uh to discover and uh, i think like that level of design growth here uh, makes a lot of sense right we know that the first few sets were all kind of designed at the same time and now we're really seeing that so uh, like alex i mean i'm super super excited about this game this is the few games of mastication are, uh, you know, as much fun as I've ever had playing Keyforge, and I'm really excited to continue playing with this set and see where the game goes from here. Yes, I'm excited to get my first deck. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just haven't gone out and about, and I didn't pre-order anything, so I'll probably have to wait for the second wave, and that's fine. I've been doing some digging on the secondary market for things that I think might you know, sound fun that I've kind of experienced in the few games I've played so far. So I can kind of curate the decks that I get for this set. But I probably will try to get pick up some sealed product at some point. 
Um, and I'm still hopeful that maybe some release events actually will happen in the Seattle, greater Seattle area. So I can maybe sneak out and play some live Keyforge with some sealed deck action and acquire some decks that way as well. But yeah. Alright, well those are our initial thoughts and surely these opinions will continue to evolve as we get more playing. Enhance. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode <laughs> of Sanctimonious. My name is Jake. You can find me on Twitter at JakeFried. That's J-A-K-E-F-R-Y-D. You can find me, Dan. I'm Dan is someone on Twitter and Twitch and on the Discord. And that's pretty much it. Alex. I am Alex, the Nick of Slot Slotnik. Uh, I am on Discord as Nick of Slots, hashtag 6418. And I'm on Twitter as Nick of Slots. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Archons of the Crucible. The time is here. The mutations have taken hold. The amber is dark. Go forth and... Forge those keys.